You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 206, covering Ties of Blood and Water and Ferengi Love Songs. Hi friends, welcome to 2015. Yep, and the first, sorry, wait, no. What no. episode? What show is this? Where are I we? I don't remember. I, I, you know what year it is, but that that pushed all the other information out of your head, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, but it's just a big space that says 2015. Yep, and Back to the Future two references. Yep. Apparently, I, people are getting sick of those already. I'm not. I'm. I, I am glad that this will be the last year people can go. Did you know this is the year that uh, Marty McFly went to the future? No, I don't think that that's necessarily going to stop. Oh. Just like we thought people were going to stop saying the world's going to end after Y2K, and yet they came up with new reasons. Oh, no, I never thought that was going to happen. Well, People uh, are always looking for new reasons to be idiots. This is true. Speaking of idiots, we have an episode about Ron this week. <laughs> he's, really I, only, he's really only in a, a little, a little yeah, bit. Just, just, a, just a small amount. Just a smidgen of Rom. Yeah. A Romlet. A, a Sousson. Yes. I'm a Sousson, brother. <sighs> terrible. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what lots of things mean. <laughs> I mentioned that, that it is a new year because I recently uh, drew up the the remaining schedule for the show. Oh yeah, I saw that. Because I was planning out, uh, you know, guests for the next year and, and who's going to do what and when we're going to record stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let me just let me just finish this. Let me just do all Voyager and Enterprise and just see how long once and for all this is going to take. And it's uh, August of 2018. Damn is when we will do the final episode of Enterprise, and then the following week we'll do a supplemental, and then we're done. I just imagine that episode starting off with, So, what did we think of Star Trek? Right. And the, the problem will be, I, I anticipate, that we will have, uh, for, for three years, done shows that we weren't super keen on. <laughs> Fuck Star Trek! Yeah, and that will cloud our uh, our judgment. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I guess that's going to be off a little bit by uh, <clears throat> whenever the mo- the third movie comes out, because I assume we'll do the same thing we did last time. Uh, we'll see. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not set in stone, obviously. Like, if something happens, we might have to, to push things back or right. whatever, but we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, roughly mid to late 2018. So wow. we're still in it for a while. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, we're past the halfway point. It can't be much longer now, but it's still still a ways. In any case, uh, this week, uh, the first episode is mine, and it is called Pies of Blood and Water, or possibly Ties, I don't know. Delicious. There was, a, there was an episode, I may have mentioned this before, but it still makes me laugh, uh, of Buffy called the Blood Ties. But uh, the, the, the font, the, the loopy, fancy font in the, in the DVD menu made it look like it said blood pies. Give me more blood pies. And so whenever I see ties, I think pies. That's pretty much it. And vice versa. It makes my life very confusing and difficult to buy formal wear. Uh, but hilarious when I go to, to go buy a pie. <laughs> Nothing like getting a tie in the face. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> yes, sir. I'd like a strawberry cream uh, tie, please. In a Windsor knot. <laughs> Ah, uh, right. wins or not. The funniest of knots. It's the only one I know. So. I'm now going to tell you what happened in this episode. Oh yeah, please do. Kira welcomes this week's very special guest star to the station, and it's that guy who kidnapped her and surgically altered her to look like his Cardassian daughter back in season three. Naturally, this makes her think of him fondly, so she's excited and even a little bit nervous to see him. Also, his name was Tikeni, 
which I feel like we must have noticed and remarked upon in that original episode, but I have absolutely no memory of that at all. It is Kira's hope that this prominent figure in the Cardassian resistance can help organize some kind of anti-Dominion insurgency. Unfortunately for her, and for the Cardassian people, he's really just come to Deep Space Nine to crawl inside a passageway and die because I guess he's part Vol? Turns out the Cardassians, being as they are Cardassian, have this awesome deathbed tradition called the Shrital. This means telling all your juiciest secrets to a designated relative, or possibly someone who was surgically altered to look like your relative, <laughs> in order for them to use those secrets against your enemies after you die, which is kind of amazingly and incredibly Cardassian. So Kira begins listening to Takeni's secrets and taking copious notes. It's kind of sad, but kind of touching, in that way that this show does really well sometimes. And really, what kind of idiot would ruin this bittersweet moment for Kira? Hello, say Lenny and Squiggy, entering on cue, played this week by Gul Dukat and the Vorta, Wayun. Wayun, you may recall, died in a previous episode, but it turns out the Sarlacc found him rather indigestible. Dukat, you may recall, has set himself up as the supreme military commander for life, president for life, and king of kings on Cardassia. And as such, it's in his best interest to make sure none of those delicious secrets end up being told. So he tells Kira about the time Takeni was on Bajor, right around the time uh, Kira's actual father was killed. And wouldn't you know it, the two events were connected! So Kira reverts to not giving a damn what he has to say, but she has a last-minute change of heart and decides to sit with him in his final moments. Hours tick by as his horrible disease runs its course. And finally, the inevitable happens. Kira, tears streaming down her face, trembling with rage and confusion and loss, balls her fists and tilts her head to the heavens. As a devout believer in the Bajoran mysticism, she has only one place to direct her raw emotions. She cries out to the prophets themselves, delivering the full force of her unchanneled emotions in the form of a familiar wail of grief and mourning. Oh my god, she cries, you killed Takeni! You bastards! That was quite the setup. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm pretty pleased by how that turned out. Y yeah, well... I mean, they, they, they dropped it right in my lap. I couldn't not do that. Also, it's been at least eight years since anyone made a, oh my god, you killed Kenny joke, including South Park. Yeah, they, they got sick of that pretty quick. <laughs> but, you know, this episode aired in 96 or 97, so uh, it wasn't even a cliche. Yet. No, it was ahead of its time. Right. This would have been uh, four years before I had that phrase on, like, 18 t-shirts. Did, did teachers make you, uh, like, take those t-shirts off or turn them inside out or whatever? Occasionally. Yeah, like, but there were Bart Simpson t-shirts becoming a big thing for me in high school. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was, I had to. Yeah. I mostly didn't wear the ones with curse words to school because I didn't want that kind of bullshit. But, you know, you'd right. still get the occasional, what are you wearing? Right. Okay, so, this episode. Yeah. We're a bit distracted this week. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> It's the usual, I want to see if I can stretch five minutes out before we get to the actual first summary. <laughs> yeah, but we're already done. Damn! Right. Um, I, I really liked this episode, actually. This was, that was like, really good. I had, I had a few problems with it, but mm -hmm. most of, mostly, you know. I'm amazed that they managed to keep finding ways to bring Gul Dukat back. Yep. Like, he's he's straight up the enemy now, and here he is in Kira's quarters again. Bet you never thought you'd see me in these quarters again, eh, Major? Well, you were wrong. As new guy in charge of Cardassia, I can go into whoever, whomever's quarters I wish. They gave me the key to the city. It's a giant key that opens all the doors. Is that what the key to the city does? I that is the only uh, that is the only th explanation I have ever heard that makes sense to me. It's symbolic. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do anything. That's my point. No. Well. Plus, in the future, they have like you know passwords and stuff. They don't really have keys anymore. 
No, I have a big gold key that opens up all the doors everywhere. Gold key Ducat is what they call it. <laughs> the gold key gull. I'm actually really glad I have this gold key now because it makes the uh, it makes the uh, reference make sense. Before that, people just thought I wrote all the old Star Trek comic books. Which I did not. Which I most certainly did not. You'll notice that Captain Kirk did not have face bumps like a Cardassian in any of those comic books. That is to my eternal chagrin. So what was your good thing about this episode? Excellent question, Al. Uh, fucking Dukat and Wayun make the most delightful uh, comedy duo ever. Yeah, they do. I could watch those two uh, just wander around all day. Dukat's, like, in full-on smug snake mode in this one. Oh, yeah. Which is which is the Ducat I love the most, where he's pure evil, and also really pleased with the fact that he's pure evil. Um, and he's he, but he also truly still believes. Oh yeah, that what he's doing is is for the best of for everyone, for the good like, of the Bajoran people. In this case, he's rescued his people, and everything's going to be okay now. Yep, and he it it just does not enter his mind that anyone could ever think otherwise and why would anyone be against this cuz i saved everyone mm-hmm. and then we uh, and then we add wayun to the mix yeah who's this brand new weird wide-eyed little guy who sort of follows him around and just he does this great thing and this will continue to come up because wayun's a great character yeah um or he just sort of comments on the situation with this weird outsider viewpoint Oh, love attention! This is great. There's a the, 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 this great moment when um, uh, Ducat's had a bottle of basically 100% pure poison in a canar with, with a tiny yeah with a tiny splash of like canar food coloring yeah sent up to uh, to Kenny's uh, quarters, and Cisco finds it pretty uh, so quickly that they don't even have to justify showing it. Yep. He just shows up in uh, Quark's bar where uh, uh, Ducat and Wayun are playing Dabo, and he says, can I can I borrow you for a second there, Ducat? Let's let's sit down and have a drink. And I was th- wow, this is weird. Is Cisco trying to make some kind of diplomatic overture? No. And then and Ducat's like, I don't actually drink uh, wine, <laughs> Captain. Oh, I think you'll want to drink this wine. No, I don't think drink I'll it. be drinking that wine. Oh, I think you will. And then uh, Wayun pipes up with, "Oh, all this backstabbing and politicking sure is sure is fun, isn't it?" Which is exactly what you and I think yep. when we see the backstacking and politicking. After which he drinks the, after which he drinks the poison. Yep. Hmm. Is this is this the uh, poison in question? Hmm. Yeah, a little bitter. Hmm. It's tart. Ah, it it mm. it, uh, it turns out that the Vorta are uh, gene- it, as part of their genetic engineering, like they're you know they're they're built in mm. vats, and part of their code is that they're immune to most poison because they're diplomats and they're poisoned a lot. Mm. They've which also is cool. they've also got an incredibly thick uh, natural armor around the back area. Right, right. It's um well I mean that that comes from his squirrel DNA. I yes, assume. they're basically the perfect politician. Right. Although I guess that's a spoiler. We find out later that they're they're built from squirrels. 
Is that, like, I guess that's a spoiler. I don't know if it's an important spoiler. No, that's why I don't really care about saying it. Um, it is it is a spoiler, I guess, but not really, to say that Weiyun is a continuing character from this point forward. We the I, I made a joke in my summary, but the, the actual reveal is, yes, we did see this guy die. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they keep their better uh, Vorta sort of on file and just clone a new one when when they die. Uh-huh. So he's like, this is like, what, Weiyun 5 or 6 or yeah. something like that? We're on Weiyun 5. Right, and Weyun will continue to appear, and him dying is not a factor. So, if you see him die, that doesn't necessarily mean we've seen the last of him. They have now established that. So. Weyun, no, he was and, the best character. And the thing is, a lot of our love of the character comes from our memory of stuff that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But now he really starts being great because yep. there is there are some great moments here. He's he's fantastic. No, I talk about the uh, the. Uh... The, the bar scene is really good. Which, by the way, uh, nice to find out that uh, What's-Her-Face was cool. Uh, Zial was right about uh, Vorta being uh, at least fans of gambling. Yeah, she's well, yeah, it was Amanda's quote a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe they're sex-crazed, alcoholic, uh, gambling fiends. Mm-hmm. Well, they're definitely gambling fiends, yep. anyway. He's, 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 we cut. We cut to Quark. Like after some intense deathbed scene between Kira and Takeni, we cut to the bar, and, and he's like, "Dabo." This oh, is it's, okay. it's Dabo, right? Yeah, it's like me and my first night at Vegas. <laughs> he's so great. Did I, I mean, win? Jeffrey Combs is just the best. Oh yeah, this is a great Jeffrey Combs uh, week. Yeah, be- between the two of these for absolutely. us. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, my good thing mm. is sort of sort of the same. Uh, no, actually it's not. Never mind. My my original good thing was, but I changed it. My original good thing was just the idea that they keep coming up with ways to bring Dukat back. Like I said, like you, you can't, you couldn't ever imagine after their last exchange that they're ever going to see eye to eye again because Dukat and Kira are so great together. And they managed to find a way that wasn't terribly contrived. Nope. It actually makes a lot of sense him to, him to come here personally to, uh, try to get well, this not, guy. They're not at war. It's tense. Yeah. But he still just lives right over there, and something's going on, so he shows up in a giant ship. That's I love that part where uh, he basically at the beginning of the episode he calls up uh, Cisco and is all like, "Yes, we'd like the return. We'd like the return of our one of our great patriots to Kenny, so that he mm. may come home to Cardassia and die in peace." To and we Cis- can give him a parade and a birthday party with a pony. To which Cisco replies, "Yeah, I'll definitely consider that. Bye." So the next day, Dukat arrives at the station in the biggest warship the uh, Jem'Hadar can provide. Still waiting on that answer, Captain. In your yeah, own, and the nice thing in is, your own time. He's he's making a great show of yeah. I've got strong friends now. Mm-hmm. See this ship. See this uh, armed guard behind me. Every time he calls, there's a big ass Jem'Hadar guard in the background now. Just uh, you, you can't even see the whole guy because he's so big he doesn't yeah. fit in the frame. Look like, threatening, my friend. We're calling people I don't care for. Right. I've actually got asthma, sir. No, that's okay. You just need to look threatening. Yeah. Don't. don't you will not be required to fight. Just you know, yeah. look big. Right. I better make myself look big. My my actual good thing. Yes. One of the best things the show does is give characters flaws. Mm-hmm. And Kira not being able to directly face the death of people she's close to is fantastic. Yeah. Like we had this whole series of flashbacks of her actual, like her real dad, her biological dad, who like died in a, a cave while they're running around killing Cardassians. And she had a, an opportunity to be with him in his last moments. And she chose to go out on a mission instead. Mm-hmm. 
because she's in that way, she's a bit of a coward. Mm -hmm. And I love that she's so brave when it comes to actual doing the actual killing, but then a coward when it comes to dealing with actual death. Mm -hmm. It's it's really good characterization. It's nice irony and it's nice just like, yeah, she's super uncomfortable with this emotional stuff. Yeah, as you know, having a character who, you know, killed probably hundreds of Cardassians. Yeah. You know, big hero of the war, but, you know, can't really uh, look her father in the face in his last... uh, in his last few minutes as he's begging her not to leave him alone. Yeah, and then when she comes back, they're like, yeah, he was calling your name when he died. That was his last words were, why was Kira not here? <laughs> oh, God, why would you tell her that? I love that. Just, uh, yes, while while you were gone, he all he did was call out to you. Where's Kira? Although he would have said Narice because his, his name is also Kira. Oh, it's like, oh, honey, you're Kira. Yeah. Oh, right, I forgot how our naming conventions work. <laughs> but it's it's really good character design mm-hmm. i think to say that uh, she is very passionate but she's also sort of emotionally immature in a way yeah and not just because she flies off the handle of things but also in in her just she has a hard time with intimacy she has a hard time with being close with people and this is one of those things yeah. you know i like it not yeah i quite like it yeah on the other hand mm-hmm my bad thing is they put a lot of weight on the relationship between her and Takeni, and the episode is fantastic for that. Like, in and of itself, it's great. But that whole experience, I looked back at, at Second Skin, the episode that this follows on mm. from, and that lasted maybe a week? Yeah. And it hasn't come up again in three years? No, I, like, here's the thing. I think that she bonded with the guy. I think, you know, oh, she, yeah. she definitely found, like, a you know, a like an actual Cardassian who she was sympathetic towards. Well, she's had, she, a, she's had a few of those over the years. Yeah. She had that one guy who ended up dying in duet. Yeah. She's had this guy. She has Zial. Like, there are a few Cardassians that are sympathetic to her now. But, like, they play up their connection as, like, they've kept in touch over the years, and, you know, they're very close, and we just yeah, don't... Yeah, they really no... play up the father-daughter thing. Yeah. As two people who watch, who have watched every episode of this show, um... We have seen no evidence of that. No, it hasn't come up once. And the thing is, if you want to maintain that, all you have to do is throw in a line every now and then. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Kira, it's your birthday. You got a call from Takeni or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And she's got this bracelet that she puts on when he comes. And, and I think the implication is she's been wearing it the whole time. No, no she hasn't. No. <laughs> that would have been another nice just detail to throw in. You don't even have to make the story about that or even mention it. Just have the bracelet there. Yep. No. But again, the episode itself is great. It's just hard to buy into this relationship that supposedly has always existed mm-hmm. when we know that it hasn't. Yeah. It's like, come on. That's all. But I mean, the the whole thing is she's remembering when her real father died, and now she's got this father figure mm. also dying, and she's got to deal with that. And it's like, well, I don't, it's I, not the same. It, I just, I don't really think he's earned the, 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 the father thing, you know? Yeah, I don't either. That's a big... That's a big step to find someone. You're my new dad. You'll replace the dad I don't have anymore. Especially since she doesn't, like, rare in fiction, she doesn't really have daddy issues. No. I mean, she's got this. She's got her dad died when she wasn't there, but I don't really think that's the same thing. Well, I mean, mean? like, you know, I don't think it's something she, it doesn't seem to be something she's thought a lot about over the years. No. She's thinking really. about it now because things are, this is very similar to uh, that thing that happened before when her dad died, but... Uh, right. And it turns out they're connected, which mm. is nice. But this sort of ties into your bad thing, right? Yeah, um, 
I really could have done without them just laying out Kira's feelings of guilt about her father at the end of the episode to Bashir. There's this scene at the end where she basically just sits down and uh, basically lays out everything we've just talked about. You know, I never, you know, while I was, my, my father died while I was gone. And just, it seems very unnecessary. Like, as soon as I, as soon as Kira's dad shows up on the sick, on the, on the, the sick bed, it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, of course. She's, you know, she's re- regretting having walked out on, on her, her actual father. I, I just don't think it was necessary to have her sit down and lay it all out for us over the course of five minutes. Like, I get it, and I'm not good at getting things. It takes me a while to pick up on crap like that. I'm 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 not disagreeing with you. I think that it it isn't necessary. However, I think it's the same pattern that this show and and, and Next Gen and I imagine Voyager as well, like just sort of TV from around this time did. Yeah. Which was the last thing is you have to have that last scene where everyone sums up their feelings and tells you where they are now. This scene's for the slow kids in the back. I, I it's the same as when her father died. Do you get it? Yeah. You get it. No, I don't know. Like, I I don't like it. Mm. But it is just the way they do things. We've got a million episodes that happen like this where someone goes through something and at the end they tell their close friend or Julian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's go- Well, in this case, Julian was the one who was there. I don't, believe, I don't believe you won't go and be with him in his last minutes. I don't want to be with him in his last minutes. He lied to me. Yeah, but he's dying. Well, yeah, but what about what I want? Yeah, my feelings. He's not going to have any feelings in another day. Well, then what's the problem? (laughs) You know what? I don't really have an answer to that. I'll see myself out. But but my point is, usually it would be Odo that she'd be confiding to, because that's her closest friend, or maybe Dax. But in this case, because Bashir's been around a lot, because it's a medical situation, it made sense that mm-hmm. it was him. But that's just typically the way the show does things. Okay, let's wrap it up. Let's tell everyone what we've learned. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's your South Park reference again. I've learned something today. <laughs> you know, I learned that when people are dying, you should probably pay attention to whatever the hell they want to say. Especially when they're Cardassians and they have an awesome tradition of telling all their great secrets. Yep, And I've, le- cool and I've learned something about racism. How cool is the Cardassian idea of, like, like that is so Cardassian. Oh, it totally is. I love that concept. Yep. Gather around, children. Dad's on his way out, and he's going to lay out all the secrets. He's going to tell you how to destroy his enemies, which is your final, like, task as a Cardassian child. Mm-hmm. To go destroy your dead parents' uh, enemies, and then they can be laid to rest. Yep. <laughs> that totally makes sense in their in their culture. Cardassians have a big tradition of uh, unfinished business ghosts. Yeah, but I mean, in this you case, did, it seems you it didn't seems... get revenge on my killer, and also the guy who pissed me off. But it seems more straightforward. Yeah, it seems like it's very clear what their business is. Yeah, fuck this guy over. He pissed me off, and then you're done. All right, well, that's cool. Away I go. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? That's pretty much it. Like there was a lot of long, and I'm not complaining. No, but a lot of long scene just long emotional scenes that didn't have a lot of plot didn't even have a lot of dialogue yeah there was a cool sort of montage scene where she's just like tending to him and 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 hearing his secrets and this is uh directed by uh, avery brooks and you can tell yes he has a very distinctive very actor centric uh, directing style that we really well i really like i mm. think you do as well oh yeah um and and that was one of like you don't usually see a montage 
in a Star Trek episode. Everything sort of happens in real time. Mm-hmm. And you don't see, like, yeah, this took days and days, so here's how we show that. Like, that was that was nice. Um, also, really good makeup on Kira as, as she's looking tired and beaten and just defeated. Like, she looks rough. Yeah. Like, circles under her eyes and just, just really good, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's pretty much all there, I know. What about you? There's a moment at the beginning of the episode that I thought was pretty funny. Um, the only reason that Worf and Dax are in this episode is to provide exposition for people who haven't seen the first episode. Right. So they can explain what uh, what who this guy is and why Kira knows him. Yeah. So there's a scene where Dax is talking to Worf and she's all like, yeah, they were, you know, they met when uh, he had her kidnapped and surgically altered to be a Cardassian so that she would be convinced that she was a Car- she had been a Cardassian all her life. And Worf's like, that sounds stupid. That happened to your ex-girlfriend, buddy. Yeah, it did. Last year. And I think, well, it was a few years ago. I guess it's been a couple years now. But uh, And I believe it... someone else on the on uh, TNG, if I recall. I don't remember who, but it happened to someone. I don't. I don't know. You may be right, but I don't remember a specific one. But, uh, yeah, it's he's definitely something he should be familiar with. No, that's weird. Yep. A lot of weird crap happens here on Deep Space Nine. I don't know how you people get anything done. Not like on the Enterprise. Oh, right. <laughs> Are you disappointed that no one has turned into children recently? Or lizards? <laughs> remember that time you turned into a weird sort of wolfy thing? Or how about that time? I believe there's a record of your chief engineer turning into a blue glow-in-the-dark monster man. <sighs> how? Was that a unique experience, Mr. Worf? Now, we haven't found any monsters in our transporter. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you could teach us about that. Maybe you and your friend Mr. Barkley could find a couple for us. And speaking of Mr. Barkley... <laughs> I feel like O'Brien's the one yelling at him, too. Like... It's just as bad here. What are you talking about? I seem to recall that guy becoming super intelligent in the holodeck. Not a whole lot of that happening around here, Mr. Worf. <laughs> All right, I get it. And another thing. <laughs> Look, nobody stole any shuttles, okay? That's just a rumor. <laughs> also, I, be- just... I believe I read somewhere that, uh, the li- that the little boy you made into an ensign killed a guy. Okay, that's true. <laughs> oh, yes, old what's-his-name. <laughs> we didn't make anybody into an ensign, what do you... Oh, right, him. Oh, yeah, um, that guy, um, Willie. That, yeah, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Billy. Uh, okay, anything else? No. I have a quote, and it is uh, Cisco asking Guldukat why he's still calling himself Guldukat. Ah, Captain Cisco. Always a pleasure. Still calling yourself Gull? I'm surprised you haven't promoted yourself back to Leggett by now. I prefer the title Gull. So much more hands-on than Leggett, hmm? And less pretentious than the other alternatives. President, Emperor, First Minister, Emissary. Which is just fantastic. I I particularly, like, because what I'm watching and I'm making comments as we go and I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, I call myself God Emperor now. And then they <laughs> actually direct, they, they, they directly address his title. Like, oh, okay, never mind. Fair enough. Okay. Now on to the episode that I thought I would hate and, and didn't entirely hate. And I thought I would like and didn't entirely. <laughs> Ferengi love songs. Maybe it's the Stark station walls. Maybe it's being unable to do business with other Ferengi. 
Maybe it's the fact that his idiot brother is getting married, but old Quark is in a real funk. And where do we go when we're depressed? That's right, home. So we can rem remember that, as bad as life gets, we still don't have to see our families every day. Yay. Quark heads back to Ferenginar, which should be illegal, I think, to see his mother, Moogie. Actually, Ishka, but it's not like anyone calls her that anymore. Quark heads to bed, only to discover there's a monster in his closet. Oh, no, wait, that's just Grand Negusek. Turns out he's been banging Quark's mom on the side after they met at a who-cares-how-the-fuck-they-met convention. <laughs> Their love is a beautiful, pure flower. So when, Li so when Liquidator Brunt, FCA, shows up and offers Quark a chance to destroy it for the good of sexist asshole Ferengis everywhere, he jumps at it. All it takes is a few words placed in one of Zek's spider-webby ears to convince him that Moogie's a rebellious feminist female. The fact that she is all of those things doesn't seem to hurt either. Zek dumps her and hires Quark as his new as his new vice president, which is why Quark discovered which is when Quark discovers that the Nagus has been losing his damn mind, and Moogie's been keeping his finances going. Upon learning this, Quark gets his mom and the Nagus back together and betrays Brunt. Because fuck Brunt. Back on the station, Lita and Rom's long will they won't they courtship comes to a conclusion after five long seasons and they get married. Ugh, finally! That was one of the longest courtships in TV history. That's like for damn sure. Sam and Diane. You know, it's like... it's like it's this moonlighting crap on uh, on TV shows. You know, where they just go at it for years at a time. It's like, oh, is this gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? Right. Finally. Finally, we can put a pin in that subplot that's been going on literally hundreds of years. Is this not your bad thing? Yes. Well, let's hear it. Um. Seriously, Lita and Rom are getting married now. They've been dating for about a week. Yeah, it like, has been no time whatsoever. Like, I know that they have had this whole, like, ah, oh, we're secretly in love, but we're not going to do anything about it for a while. That's um, not the same as dating and getting to know each other. But you like, need a yeah, little time to do that. They, got, they started dating last week. It was maybe as much as a month ago, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, that montage of Kira's lasted a month. <laughs> I doubt it. If only we could have cut to them dating. That would have that would have spiced up the episode, right? Uh, just cut in some random scene scenes of Rom and Lita going on dates. Just like like that uh, naked gun uh, sequence of them, like you know, uh, holding hands and running at the beach, yep. and you know, getting cotton candy at the fair, and all that stuff. Rom wearing a long striped bathing suit from the thirties. Yep, that seems about right. Yeah, why not? Everything else about how about him is stupid and ridiculous. I, you know, I, well, like I say, I didn't completely hate this episode somehow, impossibly. But uh, specifically, there were a couple, there were a couple of moments where Rom was not terrible. Um, he dropped the stupid guy voice, I think, either when he was sad or when he was sort of determined, or there was a scene where he was playing an emotion he doesn't usually play. And he dropped the, and he was sort of like this, sort of, almost like how angry Rom sounded in the, uh, the, the mirror universe, boy. <laughs> Realize that's what my own voice was doing. That's not quite what it was. Let's go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes, Nog. Right. But it, it was... Why, you little? <laughs> it, it wasn't that at all. But it was, it was a different kind of voice that was not the stupid dumb guy voice. And if he starts doing that, I will hate him 50% less. Yeah, it really takes, uh, it takes the edge off of the hate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's the new thing of he got the hottest woman on the station in a week to mm. marry him. But eh, I'll, get, I'll get over that pretty yeah. quick. Um, Maybe he tricked her. 
Uh, that must be it with his with his wiles. He's got quite the he's quite the wit that Rom. <laughs> he's the Oscar Wilde of Ferengi. <laughs> Either those curtains go or I do, brother. Uh, but my my good thing is seriously somehow I didn't completely hate this and like I I think it's probably because Rom didn't come with him to, to with Quark to Ferenginar. That's definitely a plus. Like when it's more about Quark and less about oh his crazy family mm -hmm. that helps. Um, I, I don't like, uh, new Moogie as much as I liked Andrea Martin, uh, actually. I thought she was but fine. She's fine, but I like the original one better. She just, she didn't want to get in the makeup again, so yeah, fair enough. That's, yeah, I get it. But, uh, specifically, character-wise, I loved that Quark had a moment where he could sell his own mother out to get his, uh, get his, uh, like, uh, financial license back, and he does it. Mm -hmm. There's no hesitation, there's no real guilt, he just sells out his mom. He's like, That's yeah, it. of course. Yeah. I like that. That's, mm -hmm. that's, uh, I don't think everyone should be like that, but I think Quark absolutely should oh, be like definitely. that. Oh, definitely. Like, that's him like all if, over. If one of the Starfleet guys did that, I'd say, no, that's not cool. Yeah. But Quark, that, that totally makes sense, and I'm, I'm glad he did that, and I'm glad he didn't have any sort of pangs of guilt or, you know, whatever. Well, the thing I like is that the, first, the very first thing that happens when he finds out that his mom and the Negus are together... Is you you can you can see on his face like all right I can use this to get my business license yeah, back. Yeah, this is okay. This is awful on one level. On another level, I can use this to help me. Yeah. me the important one. <laughs> and then when that falls through, when the negative, yeah, no, Quark, I'm not gonna abuse my power for you. Then yeah, it's like all right, fine. I'll talk to Brunt, F or I guess he'll talk to me from my closet. <laughs> Everyone keeps beaming into his closet. I was I. <laughs> I like that stupid fucking gag. The thing is, initially, Quark gets home, and I i mean, you can tell something was going on, and she's like, oh no, get in the closet, and he's hiding in there, mm -hmm. and he finds the Negus. Like, okay, I get that. But then people keep beaming it, like they play the uh, a soft, like a, a distant version of the, the transporting sound effects, so you know mm. they've beamed in, and then they're just there in his closet. It's fucking weird. <laughs> I thought it was, I just, I, it, it's such a stupid broad gag, but God, it made me laugh. There were a lot of broad gags, some of which landed better than others. Yeah. It did kind it felt a bit Marx Brothers-y to me in a good way, like at a, you know, um, make that two hard-boiled eggs, three hard-boiled eggs, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Like, there's someone hiding in there, kind of thing. Um, the, um, the first one when the Negus just takes his coat when he puts his, uh, when yeah. he opens the closet, it's like, that's, it's such a stupid fucking joke, but God, it... Well, and the thing is, I'm not a huge fan of very broad comedy for the most part, and I'm not a huge fan of, like, sort of slapsticky, vaudeville -y stuff, but, but these guys are all very qualified to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, Armin Shimmerman and Wallace Shawn and whoever it is playing Moogie now, like, they're all good at that stuff, mm -hmm. so, I mean, even though I'm not always a fan of the humor, the acting is really solid. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, the, the sort of physicality of taking the coat and not reacting. Yeah. It takes a certain good kind of comedic actor, and he totally nails that. Mm. I mean, Wallace Shawn, we've said this before, is a great choice as the Nagus. Oh, yeah, he's the per he's the perfect Ferengi. Yeah, like the king Ferengi. Yeah. And I like that we see in this that part of his job is sort of like like the ancient kings, where he would like advise the people in addition yeah. to ruling them. That's kind of cool. You know, for tips. Yeah, oh, obviously, only the people who bribe him the most. Yeah. I need a bribe to be able to do that, Quark. No, I like, uh, there's a scene where Quark comes to visit him in his office. Yeah, I came by to pay my respects. All right, nope. so pay him. Yeah. Oh, oh of course. Excuse me. Where are my manners? Yeah. 
Where is my head with ears? Ears, huh? Ears? Huh? Uh-huh. Giant ears? I, I did hit on the theory that uh, perhaps the hierarchy on Ferenginar uh, is arranged by who has the silliest voice, though. <laughs> like, the most powerful Ferengi is the guy with the most ridiculous voice! And Quark, who has trouble, who was completely on the outs for a while, talks like a normal guy. Yeah. By that logic, you'd think uh, Rom would be way up there. Um, yeah, you would think that. <laughs> anyway. I'm at, the I mean, top, we, I'm at the top of the pile now, brother. Who, who knows what the future will bring, Matt? <laughs> so. Anyway. Uh, what was your... Uh, oh, you had another bad thing, actually. Yep. Now that we're talking about the Ferenginar stuff. I had a main bad thing. The uh, My other bad thing was my backup bad thing. But my main bad thing <laughs> is the thought of Moogie and Zek's wrinkled, leathery bodies flopping against one another, glistling with sweat as they grind away on Quark's childhood bed. The screech of Wallace Shawn as he climaxes. All of these are bad things. You have a real problem with old people. Yes. Not sure what that's about. Old people, biology... Food. The world around me. Everything. Everything is disgusting. Fair enough. I don't know how the hell people function. I don't know. I, 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 not this particular story, but I am a sucker more for old people falling in love stories than maybe young people falling in love, I think. That being said, like, I actually really like these two together. Yeah, I do too. I think, like, these are, they're two very unique characters that, both of whom I've liked when they've shown up in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think they connect really well. Uh, the constant, gross uh, Ferengi compliment, or what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, pet names? Oh, uh, Lobekins? Yeah, that I could do without. Lobes, ears, get it? Get it. <sighs> but I actually like these two together. The thing is, on the surface, they're still doing really dumb stuff with the Ferengi, like the ear thing, enough is enough. But... On the on a deeper level, on how their society works, every time we go back and get a little more of it, it's like, yeah, that fits, that works. This all still works. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. And and this is another one of those. We see that the FCA has a lot of power, but the Nagus could override them, but he also shouldn't because they have a lot of power. Like yeah. it's it's sort of like checks and balances kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and we see, like I say, the king is like, I mean, he, he is kind of a king. The Nagus is kind of like a king in that old school way of like, we come to the king to solve our disputes or we come to the king for advice. And, I, I like the idea of a king where for for a uh, moderate fee, you can actually go and just talk to him. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's like sort of like the old school, like King Solomon, you know, what do we do? We have a dispute over land. How do you know, what do you what do you rule? Or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean. I I, I like that. It, mm. it fit. It again. It kind of fits when you add in the ad, uh, uh, layer of you have to bribe him first. Yeah, no, the, this, very Ferengi. It it continues to surprise me how well this society, like how well this society sort of come together from just being jokes. Well, especially when a whole culture built around profit and being greedy is such a broad stroke and is such a that couldn't work for yeah. so many reasons. Just like a warrior culture shouldn't really work. Yeah. But they've really built both they, the Klingons and the Ferengi up. Really, sort of pulled it together. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. Um, Good for them. Nice work, Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, so while I don't always like the, you know, the, again, the surface level, like broad comedy stuff, always mm-hmm. with the world building stuff. I yeah, it's like. some good world building. Yeah. Um, my bad thing though. Please. 
this mind-boggling coincidence that the Negus, who knows Quark, who who almost made Quark his successor <laughs> at one point, who Quark was his main man to, to talk to the Gamma Quadrant, mm-hmm. now totally coincidentally has met and fallen in love with his mother in completely unrelated circumstances. Yeah. There, are, there must be billions of Ferengi, or even, even millions, let's say, on that planet. Yep. Somehow he managed to fall for a woman who's connected directly to this guy he's had many dealings with recently. Yep. That, uh... And the thing is, like, we don't need to go jump through all these hoops to get to that relationship. No, we could come up with a direct, directly related reason for this all to happen. Yeah, you know, they both know Quark. Yeah. Like, they, it's, uh, not, it's not hard to figure something out. The Nagus came there to seize his assets after, um... After he was disbarred. Mm-hmm. And and then I decided to stay and seize her assets. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. That's some good writing, Al. You should write for you should write some Ferengi episodes. Uh sure. I'll You're it. really good at this and at the voice. I'm sorry. It's your best impression. We need to write more uh Ferengi based skits for SV. I don't think we'll be doing that. I'm gonna that. get right on that. I don't think we'll be doing that. You're fired, Matt. <laughs> was uh was the Grand Nagus one of Earth's presidents? I think so. At any point? <laughs> yes, President Zack. <laughs> you know, in the de- debate between him and Nixon, a lot of people watching it on TV thought that uh, Zack won. <laughs> I I also still really like the rivalry between uh, Brunt and Quark. Oh, yeah. Brunt is fantastic as Quark's nemesis. I love that Quark has a nemesis. Yep. He's, n- he's not important enough to have a nemesis. That makes it even better. Yep. This guy's so petty. I hate you so much, Quark. I'm just a bar owner. I'm, what just if an, I, av- I'm an average Ferengi trying to make his way and not doing a great job of it. What the hell is your problem, man? I just hate you so much. Why? I don't know. Look at you. Just, just look ugh. at you, man. Ugh. Look at your whole deal here. What the hell yeah. is wrong with you? Maybe he's yeah. jealous of his fashion sense. That's true. Quark is impeccably dressed. He is. He has you know? a very large closet that can accommodate uh, many, many people. You know, he's a guy who who looked at a uh, at a seatbelt clip and said to himself, "I should put that around my neck." Uh, you know what, though, I I will say honestly, I typically like Quark's costumes. Oh yeah, like uh, as opposed to just about everybody else who's not wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. His his clothes usually fit like. The alien guy who, if he were a human, would be wearing, uh, like, uh, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, basically. Just works. Well, we talked about that when he went on vacation. Yeah, there are very slight variations on on what that kind of guy would wear, but they're basically the same thing, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, I was, as you mentioned in your summary, a bit surprised that he was allowed on the planet at all. Yeah, that's, uh, doesn't make any sense. I'm pretty sure that's right there in the band. You're not allowed back on Ferenginar. Yeah, but on the other hand, whatever. Yeah. I guess uh, it's not hard to get back onto a planet where bribes are the order of the day. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Um. Here's 50 bucks. I was never here. No, of course you weren't. Who wasn't here? <laughs> who, who wasn't where? <laughs> um. Let's play some more broad humor. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, I actually don't have a ton to say about this one either. Nah, they're both pretty... I didn't like this one that much. Okay, Um, how come, though? There's, like, like, the character stuff in it I like quite a bit, but there's also a lot of scenes that really feel like they drag. That's Um, fair. Mostly, 
the stuff on Ferenginar doesn't bother me too much. There's a little bit too much uh, uh, Ferengi dinner at home. To the uh, where at one point I turned to Al and go, see, see, this is what it would be like to. We're getting a rare treat. We're getting to see what it's like just in a Ferengi household. Yeah, it's it's the uh, Ferengi sitcom. That's my Mookie. Yep. Ugh. But um, most of the ROM stuff back on DS9 is so boring. It's not great. It's again, we have nothing invested in this relationship. Putting aside my dislike of ROM, and I don't think you're a big fan of him either. Not particularly. Um, it's like putting that aside, though. We have nothing invested in this relationship. It just started. Yeah. Like, um, Kira has been dating her boyfriend way longer, and Dax and Worf have been dating way longer. Yeah. Like these guys, just like we've had, we've seen them together. None. We saw them hook up when Zimmerman showed up a few weeks ago, and we never followed up to see what they were... Not that I really want to, mm -hmm. but I'm saying we've never even seen them on a date. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't care, but if you're going to do this, you need to, you know, you need to establish it. You can't just have them get married out of nowhere. The thing is, people get married quickly sometimes. That I guess that happen. is... I mean, that is true. But we should have still seen a tiny bit of the courtship before they just dropped this in, the, yeah. in our laps. And so, yeah, we're, we're not really invested in the relationship. And then it's that whole... Uh, she has to sign the Ferengi version of uh, of a prenup that says I get all her money. Yeah, and it's like, but he we've already gone to great pains to establish he's not like them. Mm -hmm. He went and got a very non profitable job because he's not good at that. He let his kid join Starfleet. Like mm -hmm. he's not a traditional Ferengi, so why would he be into that? Well, it was the last thing Chief O'Brien said to him. Yeah, probably. Uh, bacon and eggs, got it. Okay. Well, no, there's this, there's that, there's legitimately this scene where he's talking to, uh, I think it's uh, O'Brien and Dax. Yeah, it is. And he's like, uh, yeah, I got to, been learning about Bajoran culture because it's really important to Lita, apparently. No, it's really important to have the sight gag of a giant Bajoran earring on his giant ear. Uh -huh. Get it? Uh huh. But uh, and then Chief O'Brien's like, ah, is she doing any Ferengi stuff? To which she responds, no. Hey. Well, I guess Chief O'Brien thinks we should do that, then uh, we should do that. Yeah. I love you, Chief O'Brien. I love you. Yep. Please stop stroking my hair. <laughs> You've got those wonderful curls. I can gaze into your eyes for days. Uh, but yeah, so the, the whole bit is that he wants Lita to sign this thing, and then she says no, and he says, and then Chief O'Brien tells him, well, what's more important to you, the woman you're in love with or that? He's like, oh, I guess the woman I'm in love with. Thanks, Thanks for telling me what to do, Chief O'Brien. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. We're, oh, but uh, we're not actually friends. Oh, by the way, uh, just so we're just so you don't forget, uh, it's breathe in, then breathe out. Breathe in, <laughs> then breathe out. There you go. I'll be oh. up to rem I'll be up to remind you in half an hour. Oh, thank you. Now I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> I do like. There's a nice scene where. Uh, well, it's not a nice scene, but it has a nice payoff. Um. Where Rom is comically weeping in a corner, mm -hmm. and uh, Cisco and Odo <laughs> stumble upon him. Yep. Uh, What's wrong, buddy? Oh, this is going on. Okay, carry on. He just sort of reaches over and pats him on the shoulders and go about your business. Yep. That is, this is not my problem. Look, this guy works on the station, and he's an engineer, so I should be concerned. But uh, well, that has nothing to do with anything. So yeah. uh, I don't care. <laughs> look, you're my <laughs> look. You're my son's best friend's dad. That means we've had the occasional dinner, and I and when I see you in the halls, I nod to you and engage in semi-pleasant conversation. Like I do with pretty much everyone on the yeah. station. That is the extent of our relationship. Good day to you. 
Yeah, our sons are also grown-ass men now. Yeah. Your son's in the army. So, like, let's not even... We don't even have to talk anymore. My son's a dirty hippie who won't get a job. Yep. Dad, I'm working on my novel. Uh-huh. Working on that novel? <laughs> Got a compelling protagonist? <laughs> your Cisco uh, doing a uh, your Cisco doing a Stewie impression sounds suspiciously like your rom. Yeah, well, they they wouldn't be that different. Nope. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's everything. Have you a quote? I do had I do indeed have a quote. It's a line I enjoyed quite a bit about the uh, Nagus and what he means to Ferreganar. Do you want Brunt to become Nagus? Of course not. He was willing to throw our entire economy into chaos just so he could grab power. Sounds like a true Ferengi to me. A Ferengi, maybe. But not a Nagus. A Nagus has to be better than that. His personal greed has to reflect the public's greed. Like Zack. Exactly. That actually, that's one of those, it's kind of funny, but it also works as oh, yeah. a Ferengi thing again. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, he's the, he is sort of the, he, he's sort of what the rest of Ferenginar uh, gets in step behind. Mm. You know, his, it can't be all about you, even on, even on a, even on a planet where it's all about you. Right. There still has to be some joint, like, uh, you know, good. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, so I believe that's it. Uh, do you have any spoilers things to discuss? Because I do not. Um, I don't think so. I made a re- hmm. wait. Do, do, have we done the? Uh... Well, no, no. I'm asking. No, I don't think we any, with the anything major. Not, not, this is nothing, nothing major. major. Nothing major. <laughs> like I, I, I don't think there's anything specific nah. to cover there. So there's no point for that. All so, right. uh, so that is all. That is the end of the show, as ever. Uh, the website for the for the show is postatomichorror.com. We still have uh, some stickers left. If you want to write to us and get some stickers, I, I can send those out to you. Um, uh, oh, yeah, write to us at postatomichorror at gmail. We have a, a supplemental show coming up in a few weeks, and yep. we'll be glad to answer your questions. Any of the questions that you s- maybe sent during uh, for our uh, uh, crossover episode that were Star Trek-specific, we're holding on to, and we will answer them. Yeah, they will be featured. Yeah, we didn't just throw them away. Like it just we didn't want to talk a lot of Star Trek with the Doctor Who guys when we were talking about Star Wars. One of whom does not know what Star Trek is. Still. At this point. So yes. Uh and that is all. Next week, uh Flonk will be here, so look forward to that. Yay. Now say your thing, Matt. See you folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.